When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Glad to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I'm excited. It is day one of fall camp. Elijah has shown up with no sleeves on and eye black. And uh, he's got a red end on one side of a helmet. That Southeast Knight insignia on the left side of the helmet. And and he's he's ready to go. I'm yeah, ready to I, go. I got packs of smelling salts in here. I am just, <laughs> I'm pumped up. I am ready to go. The eyes are watering. Let me, let me say this. I got to ask you about a couple of things. One, you brought up smelling salts. I've never had the pleasure. Oh, you're missing out. Really? Oh, yeah. If, if, I mean, just going out there playing some pickup basketball and you pick me up. Worse or, or super horrible and awful compared to like that, that hippie you run into at a Dave Matthews show after 17 hours in the sun that's just got straight-up Eastern European B.O. Uh, the, the scent of that man is worse, but the shock to the system from the smelling so, salt is, so, is still greater. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. There's been a few shows outdoors in Blue Springs, Missouri, uh, where, where that dirty hippie, I was dancing around to some Dave Matthews acoustic stuff, which was great until you caught a whiff. <laughs> and he's not, he's not enough smoke in the air that can cover that. He's definitely got a, a larger radius with his scent than a, a little smelling salt packet, but it, it's intense. The little smelling salt packet is just so, so intense that it, it just really cuts through everything. How did you uh, procure so the uh, the smelling? They're salt? on Amazon. So you just okay? It's it's yeah. Wednesday. I've got a game Friday against Omaha North. I'm gonna buy some smelling salt. Uh, usually someone else in the locker room had them back then. I mean, now they, it's did, now it's did, more did, of a. Did they charge for them? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just... they're they're cheap. Now it's more of like a. It's eleven thirty. So, the brass rail's coming up at midnight. I need something to pick me up. Okay, so that's okay. That's the new. Oh yeah, that that that's the, that that's the better use of it. Honestly, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask you, and, and we will get to football in two seconds. Tell you—you you made me sad about your Lollapalooza experience you shared on <laughs> haven't Twitter. I, haven't I never told you this story? No, I, I mean I'm proud of you for going to Lollapalooza. I dreamed of going to Lollapalooza. I don't know, twenty, twenty-five years ago, and they had Ice Cube and and Rage and 
Smashing Pumpkins and some of my well, era. They had of music. Foo Fighters this weekend. No, exactly. Foo Fighters up my alley. And, and I think uh, was it Jimmy Eat World. I think, think is, so. uh, was this weekend, right? But but you went. Who did you see at Palooza? And where? When did you go? So this was. And I wanted to see him when they had the Chili Peppers, and I've seen the Chili Peppers when they came to PBA, and it was awesome. But who did you see, and when did this happen? So when, when, when were two you, years ago? When were your Ray Bans taken? This is two years ago. So what happened? You fell in love. You thought, and bang, she took <laughs> off. She took off with your Ray Bans. Well, no. So I, I was seeing uh, a little bit of everything. I saw some rock. I saw some rap. I saw some pop. I, I was like, I was trying to get the whole Lala experience. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you needed sunglasses. I mean, let's see. Uh, the Strokes were there. I'm not sure if the Strokes cool. were a little after time. Were they it, awesome. No, it, I, I like the Strokes. It was uh, the first time that the Strokes performed in America since Trump was elected so it was like the first time since like 2015 performing in the states so that was pretty good uh uh 21 pilots was there i saw childish gambino so you saw 21 good, good savage lineup. oh yeah there was a there's a pretty good lineup but i was at a uh this british punk band called idols okay and uh a mosh pit formed sure as they do and i'm right in the front as i tend to be um, whenever a mosh pit forms, cause you know what happens in the mosh pit stays in the mosh pit and, uh, we're getting going. And right as the, the whole, like the crowd's splitting up, um, some dude comes up and like grabs my sunglasses off the side of my face and like knocks him to the ground. He couldn't like hold on to him. And then did he lose his balance? Or is he trying to, to theft you? Uh, I'm pretty sure he was trying to theft, theft me. I cannot confirm, but, uh, I, I at first thought it may have been a mistake until I reached down to go pick up the sunglasses and someone like pushes me to the side, grabs the sunglasses off the ground and takes off. So you were set up by two. And, and then the crowd just it took me away. It took me away from the site of the, the theft. And, and as I said, what happens in a mosh pit stays in a mosh pit. So that was the end of that. Until now. But that's, <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Uh, I got a good three years of use out of those sunglasses. So okay. it's, it's, that, it's that better makes, than most. It makes me feel a little better. Uh, let's talk some Nebraska football. It is fall camp time. Mike Babcock, we will ask him about his mosh pitting experiences. I don't know that there's been any mosh pitting, but Babbers can tell you a good summer story or two about some some Grateful Dead concerts. So that'll be cool in about 20 minutes. We'll uh, spend some plenty of time on the O-line with Babbers. Uh, Bill Dolman, allegedly, probably, possibly, uh, your Olympic broadcast play-by-play man for archery. We are banking on the pride of Fairbury and NBC Sports' is Bill Dolman, part of Olympic coverage in one hour. And then Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star, will get a little further in depth with Nebraska football 2021 as uh, camp underway today. It was fan day yesterday, and it looked like a good time was had by all. You had uh, a number of, of Huskers, you're kind of, there's two Huskers you have question marks about, right? More than two, but two like big time hits if they if they blow up and have great seasons. One uh, is is Omar Manning, right? What, what's what's Omar Manning's season going to be like? Omar Manning saw a handful of plays, maybe. All right, with did he even have a catch? I know he made an appearance, but did he even have a catch last year? Because he got in like against Northwestern. But the long and short of it is you've been waiting for, for Omar Manning and you've got him and Samare Toure that, that have been working well together. And that's that's big. Zero catches, but he was in for a couple of plays, I think, against Northwestern. So you, you have that. Uh, you have Omar Manning. And, and then when it comes to where's Nebraska's secondary at, okay, 
Uh, You've got Cam Taylor Britt. That's phenomenal. Uh, But but Tariq, he's a guy that doesn't have to come in and start. But man, oh man, uh, he's a five-star product. He's an Ohio State guy. And what what is likely for him? What what does Nebraska's defense become if you get a Tariq Johnson like all conference or living up to some of those stars? I know we're kind of building some hype here. Forgive me, but the, really those are two guys. We can get to the running back room. We can talk offensive line here in a little bit. But really, Elijah, if you think about you know Nebraska's offense having that weapon on the outside or in space that can play and fill that Stanley Morgan role. Or Manning, man, uh, physically can do it. And you, you have you have Samari in the slot. you got your tight ends. You've got other uh, wide receiver options. But Omar's really a big draw, and, and you just kind of salivate if you're a Nebraska fan with what his potential and his talent can be. Can he be on the field? We talked a little bit of bets yesterday, and I think he's really special, could be really special. But, man, if you get Omar to to have a, a big helping when it comes to receptions and also just his size for blocking on the edge, you can do a lot uh, with that dreaded swing pass or even just some, some shorter passes or just getting to the edge when you have a, a guy like Omar as a threat downfield, as a threat over the middle, as a, as a threat to the sideline, and as a, as a bruising blocker on the edge. And, and I, I can't remember who we were talking with at, at Media Days because it's, it's a bit of a blur, but someone there said he, he is like an A.J. Green-type receiver. Was that Scott Docterman? I yeah. Think, I think uh, it was. Docterman totally nailed the comparison of, uh, <laughs> like, I hadn't heard that one before, but thank you. Yeah, and yeah, I, AJ, you look at him, AJ and I go, Green, yeah. I go, yeah, they do have, like, the and exact he, same body. Right, and A.J. Green, like, has just killed it as long as he's been healthy in Cincy for years. Yeah, I mean, look at the, the matchup problems that when he, he was causes, Cincy, yeah. and whenever I look at that, I go, man, if Omar Manning can live up to these, I mean, probably unrealistic expectations that Husker fans have set over the past two years, but if he can get closer, live up to those expectations, man, this Husker offense can go as far as not – Adrian Martinez takes him, but as far as Omar Manning takes him, because of how much of a nightmare just he causes for cornerbacks uh, to match up. To, to, ma- to match up nightmare, exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if I saw any cornerback in the Big Ten last year that would be able to go up and, from what I saw in the spring game, go up and out jump a, a 6 4 frame that Omar Manning's got or 6 3 or whatever. It's, no. It, it's, it's very close. So you look at that and you go, well, if he's going up and winning jump balls, do you know how much that opens up in terms of? I mean, if you just fake a deep rod, that corner is going to have to be selling and going way deep and it opens up the run game. Uh, or uh, then you're able to break off routes because he's so scared about the sideline that you can then break off route inside or outside. And it just what it would do for the offense would open it up completely, uh, at least in my opinion. There's got to be other people that step up as well. But Omar Manning can be a difference maker, not only in this Husker offense, but in the Big Ten West as a whole. See, and, and I'm going to go to a name that, that I thought, I think of a lot, and he made some some monster plays in just giant games. Uh, and it, it's, it's a situation where Nebraska's not had a, a big body wide out for a long time. I mean they've they've had some options, right? But they've they've also had kind of the itty bitty committee last the last couple of years 
post Stan Morgan. So now if you get a guy that is got looks the part and can be the part, on top of what else they have in that receiver room, it can be an offense that's uh, that's high level. Maurice Purify is that's the, the other name that stands out to me when I look at Omar Manning. Right? Is 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 Maurice Purify the the name I go, you go back to? It's the name I go back to when it comes to Nebraska football and having that big body. Think of what he was able to do against a really good Texas team. Right? Think about Mo Purify jump ball ball game uh, against A and M to win the Big Twelve uh, division, uh, the the North. Moe's one of those guys that was a difference maker. And while you were getting savaged by Kansas, Moe was handing it to, to Tariq. Uh, who's the guy that played corner in Tampa? Tariq, pro bowler. He's been like on 40 teams. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. Forgive me. But anywho, you got Omar Manning and then you have Tariq Johnson. Oh. oh. Right. You had, you had Tariq for Nebraska here that is going to come in and, and battle. And, you know, I, I like Newsom, I like Clark, but if you can have Cam Taylor Britt on one side and, and, and Tariq Johnson on the other uh, with, with some competent safety play, which you've been getting, you've been getting high, high-level safety play, could be a good thing for Nebraska. And I would just like to say, if the Nebraska wide receivers can get open against Cam Taylor Britton practice, and Scott Frost said that in his presser yesterday, that he wants to get more ones-on-ones this fall camp. So if Omar Manning and Samari Toure and Oliver Martin are going up against Cam Taylor Britton getting open, I'd put money on them to get open on 9 out of 10 corners in the Big Ten. Whenever you're getting that top-level competition, it develops and breeds top-level competition from the matchup. You want that translation for sure. I'll say this, uh, Iowa secondary is really good, mm-hmm. always. Wisconsin secondary, really good, always. Ohio State. <laughs> right, Ohio State, Minnesota's. I mean, Nebraska. Nebraska's secondary will, will get the receiving core playing at a high level because they're, they're going to have to with Nebraska's uh, schedule and who they're going up against. Uh, in in this this regular season, so let's dive into some offensive line play. We'll continue that with Mike Babcock here, and you got to feel good uh, about the the experience you have uh, at center with uh, with Cam Jurgens. Uh, he's he's a guy that you, you hope the snap issue, and he's worked on it. So I'm not going to like belittle it or belabor it, but I think you know it's going into year three. He's got his expectations. He's, he's spent plenty of time talking about all the work he's put in with Adrian, just so it's second nature. You got a guy in Ethan Piper that logged over 500 snaps last year. Uh, and then the guy that, that played a ton, the, the most out of anybody was Bryce Benhard. So I want to I wanna go here. You, you had, what if I told you, and Elijah, put your offensive line hat back on. What if I told you six sacks were allowed last year by the Nebraska offensive line in eight games? Too many, about right, not enough. Well, about right is zero sacks. 
that's what you've been drilled into your little head for forever playing offensive line but there is a reality yeah but there is a reality that i mean sometimes you got five standing protection they bring six and the quarterback doesn't see the six man come in and i'm not going to put it on the quarterback because it's never the quarterback's fault but i I see what you're saying i mean special people if you're keeping the quarterback uh i mean there's more to that stat than just sacks i mean when you have an elusive quarterback sometimes they're getting flushed out and you're still not doing your job they're just not getting taken to the ground so that's not a, a read all into it stat but if you're averaging less than one sack a game you're doing pretty well for yourself because really more than being something that's going to be a detriment to your quarterback it's also a detriment to whatever drive you're on if you you get a sack that's it's gonna blow your drive up it's a drive so you can keep it to less than one a game i as a, a sitting on my couch former offense lineman will be happy 27 hurries for the season see that's a little high and i mean not a little high but whenever you look at eight games uh I mean, that can also... It's like four a game. Four, I mean, and if, assuming those are coming on third downs, that's four third downs a, a, a game that you're not able to pick up because someone's getting through. In one possession games? Exactly. <laughs> well, I look at Ben Hart and uh, Friends at Rivals did a, a breakdown here when it comes to sacks, quarterback hits, hurries, and penalties. And Ben Hart, as young as he is, he played really well off that right side. But Ben Hart allowed four sacks, gave up three quarterback hits, 11 hurries, and four penalties for the season. Ethan Piper had five. That right side of your line had nine penalties last year. Center had two. Your offensive tackle, uh, Corcoran, had one. And then Hickson had one. So when we talk about cleaning things up on the O-line, that penalty slash hurry department's a topic of conversation. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio on a Friday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to historian, author, Hall of Famer, and newest Chris Bryant fan, Mike Babcock, with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, we'll get a little bit further into the trade deadline in 15 minutes, but. What a fire sale's been going on, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Boy, the Cubs are just unloading guys, and <laughs> the Dodgers got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Uh-huh. Um, they're kind of like the uh, Lakers. They just kind of buy into those titles. The Lakers got Russell Westbrook, I see. Uh-huh. I would, I would return Russ. I'm sorry. But <laughs> not a th- I love his athleticism. I love his energy. Not a three-point guy. <laughs> and who's gonna who's gonna be point guard? You got LeBron and you got Russ, and there's only one ball. Well, LeBron will make that decision. I know he will. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Give me the ball. Yeah, uh, here's so, how we do it. Yeah, this is how we this is how we make it happen. Mike, it's day one of camp, and uh, let's talk about kind of your your thoughts on on Nebraska as we head into 2021 here. And it's going to start and end with the offensive line. And what do you think of this group that's back here? What type of steps do you think they have the ability to make here? What's what's needed? We we we've heard that dreaded success. You know, what does it look like? Well, what do you need from the offensive line this year for Nebraska? Well, you know, just stay away from the mistakes. You know, just do what you're supposed to do and stay away from the mistakes. And I think the experience that they have in the offensive line. Um, is good. The the one thing that that I that I would like to see more of, I guess, is um, some guys rotating in and in there. You know, and and I'm probably speaking from from times past. You know how Nebraska once did it, but I, you know, I know that they, you know, they felt like 
the center is probably one guy that you don't rotate, but you rotate. You've got a third, at least a third guard, and at least a third tackle, and you rotate those guys in there, and they have some. You keep, you keep guys fresh that way, and uh, you don't necessarily do it with your center. And that you know that's probably something that uh, Nebraska needs to work on is is somebody you know a third tackle that you really feel comfortable with and a third guard that you really feel comfortable with. And I, I think if you can do those things and cut out the mistakes. Um, I think you have the makings of a good line. You know, the, the Jurgens is the is the focal point of the line. Obviously, the center, and uh, you know, I think he's a, it's only up for him uh, with the experience that he has now. So, um, I think there are reasons to be optimistic about the offensive line, but but I think there are still some things that have to be done in order to get where they need to be. Mike Babcox with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, do you think they have the, the numbers finally, or at least the talent level is is where Greg Austin's comfortable right now, where where it's at to be able to rotate? Because I look at the names, man. I look at Piper and Turner and Ben Hart, and and of course that that right guard spot's up for grabs. But you've got Brant Banks, you've got Bando, you've got Hickson, you've got Newelli, Newelli, you have Miller. I mean, you have. Backup guards galore. You have backup tackles galore. You have backup center in, in potentially Hickson. I mean, you have the bodies. Yeah. Uh, Sickerman, too, I think. Um, yeah, Sickerman at that guard spot. Yeah, yeah at, at that guard spot. So, um, yeah, no, I think you've got the guys to, to do it. Um, and it, uh, you just have to identify those guys and, and uh, you know, get them some snaps. And I think, again, I think Austin is, is, is going to get that done. I think it's a big thing in fall camp. You're going to get that established, and you're going to get that offensive line where it needs to be. And if it is, then you know that has an effect on how Adrian Martinez plays, and it has an effect on the running game, which they have to be able to establish. And that's another area where they've got to identify a you know a couple of running backs that the that they can rely on. And uh, you guys talked about the wide receivers. I think they've got some talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you. Uh, uh, Xavier Betts got some got some props from uh, Adrian Martinez yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have the makings of a pretty good offense, and you know you people feel good about the defense because of the experience there. So if they get some take some steps on special teams, um, I think they have a potential there. But you know, as we've talked before, I I, I still think that. If this team can finish seven and five, I think that's really a, a good season for the for this uh, for this program. Mike, let's get into that offensive identity question here for a second because it really doesn't feel like Scott Frost has had an offensive identity since his UCF days. I mean, when I look at his Nebraska teams, it really doesn't feel like any of his uh, his three teams so far have really developed a true offensive identity. Uh, so when you look at this team this year, do you think they, they have the potential to develop either a, a run-first uh, identity or a pass-first identity? Because it, it looks like they have the pieces along the offensive line. Pieces should be there at the receiver spot. you got a great quarterback training, Adrian Martinez. The only real question mark uh, is that running back position. Yeah, and that's, you know, that, that's the area that I would like to see is the running game. You know, be able to establish that running game. Uh, be physical up front, which they, they have the potential for that, and have a you know, at least a, a couple of running backs that you have the confidence in. And, and they, you know, they've got a lot of guys there. Um, it's just a question of who can step up. 
And, uh, you know, I don't mean a pun there, but, it, you know, I think, <laughs> it, you know, if he, if, if he can come back from the injury problem, and, you know, there, I, I know there's some question about that, but uh, I, I think Step is a guy that could figure in there. His name came up a little bit yesterday. Uh, yeah, his name came up yesterday. If you can get a couple of those guys that you can rely on and you know that they're going to pound the ball uh, and establish that running game, then it, you know, it has an effect on the passing game. I mean, you're going to be more effective that way. So um, that's where I would like to see him start is a, is a solid running game, uh, be able to run the ball. And when you can do that, uh, and that means not having the quarterback have to be your leading rusher, your leading ball carrier, um, that opens up things for the for the passing game. And, again, as you guys have said, um, there's potential there at, at uh, receiver. And you got a couple of pretty good tight ends, so – um, let's go, Babbers. What's what's been a common trait or trend when you've seen young running backs succeed in Lincoln? And I ask that because you know Irvin's been here since January, and he's a guy that they feel good about. He's got some 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 big time skills, and and he's put the work in. I think he's he's fitting in, and he's getting it. You know, he's getting it. Good football IQ, despite his age, right? Correct. But you've seen a number of young pups get an opportunity and and do well with it over the years in Lincoln. What are what are things that allow that to happen? Well, I think the, you know obviously they they got a guy like that has confidence coming out of the spring, and then just yeah. how much how much work have they put in in the off season? How hard do they work in fall camp? You know who who steps up and and you know again the numbers. Um, you've got to be pretty competitive and you've got to be focused because there are guys there that can do the job. And uh, you know what, Marvin Scott. Whenever I mention a guy now, I have to think twice. Is he still on the roster or did he go into the <laughs> transfer for? See, witness but, protection, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know he had he had some uh, he had some carries last year. He, he could be in the in the discussion. I mean, there's a lot of guys that could be in the discussion, and uh, and Irvin's one of them. But but again, what does it look like come fall camp? You know, you can. I, I remember lots of springs where guys you know stepped up at running back and had big spring games and so forth, and it's like you know never really heard from them again. But uh, um, it's uh, fall camp is going to be interesting from that standpoint at, at running back. Mike Babcock is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, I don't want to discount the defense, but it just doesn't feel like in modern college football that the old adage that offense win games and, and defense wins championships really rings true anymore. It really feels like you got to have a strong offense if you want to compete year in, year out. Uh, so when you look at the Husker defense this year, do you think, I mean, we, we, we kind of know who's going to be coming back and what they're going to be doing, um, but do you think that they can do enough to, to carry this team to some wins, or do you think it's really going to fall on that offense? Well, I think it's going to fall on the offense, but I think the defense needs to be aggressive and produce some turnovers. You know, that's a thing. Uh, produce turnovers and be aggressive enough to get pressure on the opposing quarterback, because you're 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 not gonna you're not gonna hold teams to a touchdown a game or anything like that. But that I don't think the ex, that's not the expectation in in this day and age. Um, and, and and you're right about that. You know, the defense that we that we once saw when you made statements like that, defense wins championships. I don't think that that's the case now. I think that you know the the offense is where you where you're successful. But you, you the defense can't just give up a touchdown every time the other team has the ball. You've got to have some you got to have some pressure. You got to put some turnovers on. Uh, get get the ball back to your get the ball back to your offense. 
the offense needs to be, you know, not turning it over. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing, is an aggressive defense that can create turnovers and put pressure on the opposing quarterback. That, that's, that's what you want to do. And, you know, I think experience is important, and uh, particularly in the secondary, you got some guys there that uh, uh, I think are really, it's really important with the experience that they have that uh, that's, a, that's a great way to take a step forward. Babbers, uh, Nebraska started off being really not awesome on third downs. They ended the year being really, really good on third downs. Uh, about a minute here or so. What, why did that flip? What flipped about that with Nebraska last you know, That's a good question. Um, if, I had to, if I had the answer to it, I'd probably be a consultant. Um, <laughs> maybe we got consultants for everything. So, uh, from Mike, far. Mike Babcock, uh, writer, <laughs> author, historian, and uh, consultant uh, for Nebraska so, football. Yeah, from afar, as Bill Callahan used to say. But, uh, hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what – what it was, whether it was just a question of confidence uh, or, uh, you know, more pressure. And the pressure helps the secondary, you know. Mm-hmm. It hurries up. The quarterback can't get rid of the ball quick enough if you got guys coming in on him, pushing, and it really helps that secondary. So that's probably part of the thing is Nebraska was able to get a little bit, little bit more pressure and, uh, and put them in situations where it was more difficult to get that first down. All right, Elijah relived his Lollapalooza adventure we talked about my dave matthews show babbers about uh, 30 seconds what was the the best summer show you've seen you're a big concert guy oh yeah uh, you know that's hard to say i, I I've, I've seen i've seen a lot of them. not recently uh, but I, i've seen a lot of my you know the first grateful dead show i saw i, I worked it i was i was like a at assembly hall's a part-time job assembly hall in illinois and uh, they gave me a coat because I was one of the younger guys doing that stuff. And uh, they gave me a coat with an assembly hall patch on it, and I was told to keep people off the stage. And it was the only time I ever worked a concert there where people, nobody sat in the chairs. Hmm. They just kind of pushed up to the stage. And so I was basically pushed up against a speaker. Oh, no. Um, and trying to keep people from throwing stuff on the stage and the other, you know, through roses and so forth. And, and uh, you know, people were passing around joints. And, and <laughs> one kid goes, here. Mister, you wanna wanna drag on this? And I said, "You see this patch on my coat here? You think I want that? You know, just be just be careful, and you know, don't get in other people's way. I mean, it was it was crazy, uh, and that went way beyond when it was supposed to. So that's all right, Bavers. That was a good story. We'll talk next week. Thanks for jumping in today. Okay, you guys be safe. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. We'll get to some NBA here in a minute. Congrats to Delano Banton. It was fun watching him ball for Nebraska. It'll be cool watching him uh, do things in the association. Best of luck to him. Second-round pick back to Toronto. Major League Baseball trade deadline. This has been incredible. And you know a Cub fan. Maybe you are a Cub fan. Make sure they're okay today. They're not. (laughs) They are not. My old buddy Mike Riley, not that Mike Riley, the mullet. Huge Cubs fan. Danny Burke, huge Cubs fan. Other people I know, just giant, loyal, long-time Cub fans, and they're still cracking beers from 2016, and they should. 
And for a time, I was a Cub fan. That was the Dawson, Sandberg, Mark Grace, dare I say Vance Law, Damon Berryhill, Sean Dunstan era. Jerome Walton, Dwight Smith, Les Lancaster, Greg Maddox. Loved my 89 Cubs. Broke my heart. Broke my heart. 03, Pryor and Wood and Zerano. Zambrano. Ugh. Against the Marlins. Broke my heart. Then I walked away from Chicago forever. Still going to go to Wrigley again. I'll, I'll venture back. But just couldn't do it after 03 and had a little smirk when they won in 16. All right. Very happy for him. Junior's all about the Yankees, and the Yankees got it. It was, it was get a Cub day today. And while there's tributes and standing O's outside on Addison and Waveland with uh, some of the, the stars of that World Series championship team saying goodbye one more time, Chris Bryant is going to Mike Babcock's Giants, and uh, the Cubs are, are loading up with uh, Canaro and Killian. Not the beer, but uh, the right-handed pitcher. Uh, Javi Baez, Trevor Williams, they are off to the Mets. Pete Crow Armstrong uh, is who Chicago gets from New York. Craig Kimbrell, the right-hander, he is off to the White Sox, so at least he just has to take the L. And uh, as we, we zoom out of the Cub fire sale, uh, Toronto gets an ace with Jose Barrios from Minnesota, and then the Dodgers. This is what's juicy. This is what's juicy between what San Francisco's already doing and what the Dodgers have and had to do in the uh, the Bauer saga that's ongoing. Uh, let's just go get Max Scherzer <laughs> done. Let's go get Trey Turner done. Now, it'll be interesting to see how incredible – some of these kids that uh, L.A. sent to the Nationals turn out to be Ruiz, Gray, Carrillo, and Casey because you got rid of some of your top talent in your farm system to put a push together to go get another world championship. I love the Red Sox, kind of fell in love with the Red Sox with the bloody sock and then the big poppy era. I liked watching Boston, liked their swag, I liked the uh, cowboy up run they put together Schwarber I like I was I've always liked watching Schwarber even when he made Nebraska fans cry Schwarber who's been hitting bombs for the Nationals gets to go to Fenway I got a great story about Kyle Schwarber actually so uh this was whenever Indiana uh, was playing uh, I believe it was the uh, the Big Ten championship series mm-hmm. up in Omaha. Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently... Schwarber went yard quite a bit that oh, weekend. Oh, apparently Kyle Schwarber was also going out to the bars every single night uh, up in Omaha and then was waking up for his like 6.30 a.m. batting practice, hung over, um, half awake. So just going Babe Ruth. Awake just and, going Babe And Ruth. just crushing him up at, uh, <laughs> up at uh, TD Ameritrade. Aim just like, for the middle ball, just Schwarbs. Like, he was just super hung over. Like everyone else in the team, that, like the guys so that went had, out with them had, were like sitting had, there like throwing up. You had friends that were at the bars? Uh, this is from an older brother okay. of, yeah. uh, of a friend who was at the bars at the time, yes. So yeah, so it was, it was almost... Eyewitness testimony. Yes, and well, and then uh, the uh, the story of him hitting bombs comes from one of his old teammates who was. Uh, that's how uh, my buddy's older brother was up there with the Indiana team up at the bars. Was that was from uh, 
from the teammate was saying like, yeah, he's he's still waking up at six thirty in the morning and going to go crush bombs. <laughs> like he's been doing it all week. I'll be here all week. <laughs> the Royals fans we know and love are sad. Danny Duffy is off to the to the to L.A. So he's uh, going to the Dodgers. I always liked watching Danny Duffy. Loved watching him. And then Jose, uh, Jorge Soler is gone. <laughs> Traded. And you have Royals fans I- irate about that. So a couple of, of names you love for Kansas City uh, no longer there. And Soler was, was really good. I mean, good pop in his bat for, uh, for Kansas City. And now, no more. Uh, which is which is so. It's been very intriguing, very interesting. Well, well what's intriguing to me, especially about this, so there's off to Atlanta. Well, what's intriguing to me is just how long the Dodgers have been in winning mode. I mean, so often you see a they team, should have more than one title, though, dude. Yeah, but it feels like they've been in win now mode for six years now, seven years now. And most teams, your your championship windows two, three seasons where uh, you you've you, got you, a you, four. You build up, you finally get over the hump, and then. How many do you win after you get that first one? I mean, I swear it feels like the Dodgers have been doing this since ever since Kershaw was like, I mean, he's still somewhat in his prime, but like whenever Kershaw five years ago, it felt like every single year they were still the favorites in the NL. Uh, maybe. Well, think about, I mean, you can argue this and, and, and Scherzer has done it and he's done it at a high level and he's won in Washington. I think part of Kershaw's pressure or problem has been that pressure, man. He's just he's great until it gets to postseason, and now you got Scherzer, Elijah, that can go in and be the dude, and and take some of that off of an incredible arm. And I know that, and I know there's been some injury issues with with Kershaw, but but Scherzer's just been phenomenal. He's been so good for so long, and he's got a little more giddy up. So. Uh, the Yankees uh, also get Joey Gallo and Jolie Rodriguez. The Rangers getting Otto and Duran and Smith and uh, Trevor Hauver. Uh, Eduardo Escobar is going to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's been good. And uh, I'm going to say this. The Marlins are getting Jesus. Hmm. That, that's a great pickup. It, it, wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's Jesus. <laughs> hey, Jesus Luzado. So, if it's really Jesus, uh, the Marlins win the trade deadline. Oh, bar none. Bar none. Um, but before we get out of here, one little quick note, uh, which I had to check my, my stats here to make sure I was correct, is that if you went to a Fort Worth versus Lincoln Salt Dogs game back in 2007, you may have witnessed Max Scherzer on the mound. Did you know that he played uh, against the Salt Dogs back in 07? Uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. I, I tell you this, Cranach and I were doing a ball game when Missouri was facing Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And Scherzer didn't get to the majors till what, 08? Uh, yeah, because he got signed from Fort Worth in 07 and then he eventually made it up. Because he, he, yeah. he, he was in Missouri. Uh, well, this doesn't match up. Somehow, someway, I, I mean, I think we saw Scherzer pitch against Nebraska. Missouri, Nebraska. Well, I think he went straight from Missouri to Fort Worth and then up to the minors. Sure. So, long and short, there was some sort of Scherzer sighting by us. Uh, we got to get our decade straight. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! With the 
26 pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Toronto Raptors select Delano Banton from Toronto and the University of Nebraska. Pretty cool. Two, uh, two Huskers hear their names called in the last three years. Of course, Isaiah Roby and now Delano Banton, betting on himself, had a really good uh, several impressions here leading up to the draft. Kept his name in the draft-eligible pool, and uh, the trigger was pulled uh, by hometown Toronto with the 46th pick overall. A uh, statement by Fred Hoiberg. Delano came to Nebraska two years ago with a goal of wanting to reach the NBA, and he's worked hard to make that goal a reality. Everyone in our program's happy for Delano because so few people are selected each year. It should also serve as motivation for our current team with the system we play that gives our players an opportunity to work in an NBA-style system. Yes, sir. Mayor, that is an amazing recruiting pitch that is going to keep bringing that talent through the door of the training facility and PBA, because guess what, Mayor, you put 11 dudes into the league. That's impressive. It'd be really cool to get an NCAA tournament run. I know high projection uh, this year, but be on that bubble here as we get get towards March with the talent. So here's the assessment. And. Uh, you got a. You got the size at six nine. Uh, they they loved how unique he was, and what was sweet about Banton man was how he could turn the corner and get to the rim. At six nine, he was nice. He could rebound, really good hands, very fluid. I mean, and he handled the ball pretty well. Uh, and and he saw a lot of defense thrown towards him. Great vision. And the thing that's so good is 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 Delano's unselfishness. He always was willing and, and able to create for teammates. So that's all the the traits that the NBA saw, and they just drool at six nine, and that's that's good. Now, can Banton? Can he pick up his shooting? Can he Im- improve his foot speed uh, when it comes to? Where where's he? You know what's he going to become defensively in the league, assuming he can make a roster spot or it's it's D league time for him. But the point is, is he got drafted. That's awesome. Well, he yeah, lived and, out his dream, and he's got a great shot. He's they've invested in him. I mean, it's it's the direction the NBA is moving. When you look at guys that can get ten rebounds, ten assists, and ten points a game from the point guard spot, that's not something that you were talking about ten years ago. But now you got. Russell Westbrook, Ben Simmons. I mean, if you consider Luka Doncic a point guard, which he pretty much is for that Mavericks team, he's doing the same thing. Uh, you got LeBron James running his point forward type thing where he's doing that as well. It's the direction the NBA is moving. They love guys that can pull down the rebound. They don't have to. They don't have to go find the point guard. They can just turn around, take it out in uh, in transition, and find a pass or get the bucket. It's the direction the NBA is moving, and, and scouts just salivate over that kind of thing. Well, positionless basketball for sure. We'll dive into some football thoughts and some Olympics with Bill Dolman, part of the archery coverage with NBC Sports. A reminder: seventy percent of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to sixty percent. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the nebraska department of highway safety office hour two on the way bill dolman parker gabriel friday with hail varsity radio
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back to you on a Friday, Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports Olympic coverage, and he's making time for us uh, as he has been all over it. Bill Dolman with us, and Bill Dolman on Twitter. Pride of Fairbury, how are you, sir? Worn out, but uh, still enjoying the the opportunity to cover my third Olympics for NBC Sports. Uh, it's you know, it's a really exciting time uh, to have an opportunity like this, but it is exhausting because it's you just don't know what day it is, what time it is. Uh, you're, you're announcing sports that are taking place tomorrow in Tokyo to air, maybe today or tomorrow here, which is yesterday in Tokyo when it airs here tomorrow. Uh, and I just got up a little while ago. So we go in about 4 or 5 o'clock, in this case 6 o'clock tonight, and we'll be done around 5 a.m. Uh, bringing archery to the world, which is what the world needs more of. No, I, I totally buy it. Uh, my aim needs some work, but uh, archery is cool. What's the experience been like? Because you've covered archery. You're doing that here for the 2020-2021 games. But you've also done, I mean, you've done about every Olympic sport there is. It seems like uh, I have. I mean, I've, I think I've done for NBC now uh, all of, probably between 15 and 20 different sports on the winter and the summer uh, side. And, uh, you know, but all that started off with having worked in the sports information office and had to do all of those sports at Nebraska, you know, wrestling and gymnastics and track, and then uh, doing those sports for Nebraska ETV for so many years, all that laid, you know, the foundation to do these kinds of things for NBC. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Everybody wants to do football, basketball, baseball, but if you're giving me the opportunity to, just, to call sports like this for the athletes who dedicate so much of their lives and oftentimes for nothing, uh, it's really, you know, kind of rewarding in our own little way. Um, but, you know, you've got an opportunity tonight in archery for, uh, you know, the United States to, to win a, a medal, perhaps. Uh, I've also got shooting coming up. They just Uh-oh. I've never called that. I've got modern pentathlon. I've never called that. I've got race walking, and I've never called that. So I've got three new sports yet uh, coming up in the second week of the games. Well, Bill, give us the scene right now. You're on a bus. Somewhere, I'm on the, I'm on my way to the mothership in Stamford, Connecticut. We have announcers calling events uh, in Tokyo. Announcers calling uh, events here in Stamford at uh, NBC headquarters, which is where I primarily work out of anyway. Uh, we have people calling things out of uh, uh, hosting things out of Thirty Rock in New York, and uh, there are some down in Miami. I believe Jordan Burroughs is working wrestling. Uh, down there at uh, some studios. So this, this is literally kind of a, a global event just to bring uh, bring the events home to people. Bill, uh, a thought here on what you've kind of been able to, to take in with the Olympic coverage and just the, the Olympics right now as a whole with, with no fans, no crowd. What's What's been your takeaway, bud? Well, you know, I think we all kind of expected it. Uh, for the events that I cover, it's not 
of something that you would uh, – there are stands built for archery that would probably hold about 5,600. Um, and, and you miss that. You really do. Um, but, you know, for the, for the swimming events and what, what limited coverage I've been able to see, and you really don't know what's going on. You ask your friends, like, hey, on your match go, what happened? Uh, I'm, I'm seeing Amy Gant, who's a longtime friend of mine, and then having to get updates on how the, the, the U.S. women's volleyball team is doing and how the Huskers are doing. And uh, even then, you know, your shifts are so different. But I think it's something that everybody's just kind of gotten acclimated to, and that's just the way it is. You know, fortunately, swimming has somebody like Rowdy Gaines, who's a show all to himself and is a great, <laughs> great guy. Um, you know, so swimming doesn't miss the soundtrack that Rowdy uh, provides with Dan Hicks. And, and that's great. But I think you miss it a little bit, maybe in, in the soccer matches, certainly, because that's such an international game. Uh, volleyball, probably, as well, because that's a game of momentum. But I think all the athletes knew that this was what it was going to be like, and uh, and the competitions have, have been pretty good for the most part. And, um, you know, I, I think – I don't think it's diminished our coverage just because that's just the way we all expected it to be. And NBC, I think, has done a great job with their – uh, having the cameras in at the homes and the, you know, the Caleb Dressel, uh, you know, post swim gold medal, uh, was, was, was dynamite. And that's, that's what you live for in the Olympics is to make people care about the athletes. And I think they've done a good job of that the best they can. Bill, going to switch gears to some Nebraska football fall camp got underway today. A uh, good time at, uh, media sessions in Indy last week. And then, uh, Nebraska had, uh, eight to 12 players, catch up with the media i had a fan day yesterday and a little bit of time with scott frost as well yesterday and and the the message here is really about showing the work that's been put in by by nebraska and you know we're a month from kickoff bud they are hopefully buttoned up and cleaned up when it comes to penalties and self-harm to to just kind of go go get uh seasoned and 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 locked in here for for this opener against illinois a noon kickoff you know what's your takeaway frost has kind of said you know what i've been asked about expectations a lot you'll know it when you see it pretty much you know what are you needing to see here in 2021 cleaning up the mistakes i think it's so critical and 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 i don't want to say i've not tuned out scott because i did watch a little bit of his uh, press conference and a little bit of what uh, you guys did in, in indianapolis uh, I, I've been more uh, looking at the body language of players, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, I saw a couple of uh, interviews with, with Cam Jurgens, uh, Adrian. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of the other players I've seen. But I, I've been looking at the body language of the players. And the way they, they, they address the media seems a little bit more confident. They also do seem, and I said this is after the spring, they, they seem, they look like more like a big Ten or wait a minute, no, Pac-12 East <laughs> Conference team should look. And you know, I, I really, you know, I, no, I I think that Nebraska is saying the right things. And I and cleaning up the mistakes is, is so critical. The turnovers are just un, have been ungodly numbers. The, the dumb penalties have been. You got to eliminate those things. And but I like the way they they're addressing the media. I like the way that they look. I, I think that this is a team that is at least in better shape to take on the schedule just before them uh, without, you know, lip service. I think they've done a nice job in the last couple of years of trying to say the right things. I think they're better prepared now to do the right things. Bill, when you talk about 
doing and saying the right things. Can, can you set us a line for this fall camp for how many times Scott Frost is going to say that's the best week of practice we've ever had? <laughs> well, you know, I think he needs to get away from that. I, I think they all need to get away from that. And, and, and back in the day, Tom could not have been more boring, you know, week in and week out about, well, just go on, you know, take it one game at a time, and nobody believed that more than him. So I, I don't think you address that this is the biggest game of the season, that this is a must-win game for us, that we did have the best week of practice. I think all of those things have to be eliminated from the vernacular, and you just go out and play and prove that, you know, you've done everything that you need to do and let the results, you know, be what they may. But get away from the hyperbole, get away from, you know, setting expectations and saying that this is the best and then turning out and, you know, on Saturday you fumble the ball, you know, four or five times, and the next thing you know you're completely out of it. And the next week you've got to hope that you have the best week of practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, just get away from that. Just say, here's what we did, here's what we worked on, and here's what we're hoping to do. And then move on from that. But don't set standards and hyperboles and expectations and all that stuff. Bill, uh, a thought here with Nebraska and uh, some of the position battles. I, I'm interested uh, with with the quarterback, and there, there's not a battle for that. But with Adrian, what did you take away from him yesterday? I know you said you saw a little bit of stuff, and I know you've been doing the Olympics, so I get it. But, you know, Adrian, the attitude is is prove it, but also – House money, right? I mean, nothing to lose type deal. So, uh, you know, a mixture of nothing to lose uh, and prove it equals what this season? Well, I, I don't agree with that there's nothing to lose because there's, there's, a, there's always a lot to lose when you're talking about Nebraska football. You know, uh, with other programs have, well, there's nothing to lose right now. We, Nebraska can't have that mindset. That, well, if did, we didn't win, we didn't have anything to lose. Well, you know, you do have a lot to lose. That, that's, that's Nebraska football. That was, that's what makes it different. You, you, you play to win, and you play to win a lot. And if you don't win, you know, you just can't accept that. Uh, if we did, you know, we'd be in the AAC, or we'd be headed to a different, uh, you know, conference uh, altogether, like, you know, Baylor and Kansas State and TCU are trying to figure out where they're going to be. Nebraska football does not – can't be thinking about oh you know nothing to lose. You have a lot to lose. Uh, you know Adrian Martinez. The, the success of Adrian Martinez is going to depend on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, is Adrian a great player? Sure he is. But those five guys, actually those fifteen guys up front, are the most critical to the success of Nebraska football this year. And you know I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Nebraska's in a position with its offensive line where they actually have depth. I think for the first time, that's probably why I was so more in tune to what Cam Jurgens had to say. Let's face it, that guy's got to get his snaps down. I mean, that, we're, we're talking about a center needing to be better with his snaps. That should not even be in the conversation. But what's so significant, I think, for Nebraska this year? Remember the past year, somebody would get hurt, and well, we got to move our left guard over to right tackle. We got to move our right guard over to center because all they had were five, six, maybe seven guys that could play at a relatively speaking elite level. Now it seems to me that that offensive line has depth at left, depth at right, depth depth at center. You know, and and they don't have to do a whole lot of shifting other than moving guys from second unit to first unit. So what Adrian does, you know, Adrian has to do to his ability and he doesn't have to make up for the fact that he's running for his life because he doesn't have the guys up front to protect him. The depth is there. So I'm not really worried about, you know, Martinez scrambling for his life as much this year. I really don't care who the starting running back is in Nebraska anymore. It's not the 
the Lawrence Phillips, Amon Green, Ken Clark, uh, Mike Rizzo days, those guys are going to be running back by committee. You've got, you know, what, six receivers that are all capable. So offensively, you know, Nebraska's got the, the, you know, the weapons. They just got to protect the quarterback, and I think they finally have the guys in place to do it. <laughs> Bill, get a go. No, I, I get you. Bill Dolman, uh, Olympic coverage, archery on uh, NBC, and it is something uh, special to, to be a part of the Olympics. Bill's third Olympics winter and summer games. Bill, uh, a real quick take on uh, what you, you've witnessed here with the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas, and uh, the the panic that is ensuing in different Big A towns. Well, I, first of all, I appreciate the people uh, in charge of college football listening to the Average Joe Sports Show 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, because this is the exact thing we were talking about in 2004, 5, and 6. But none of this surprises me. We've been talking about it for the past three or four months that something is going to happen. Anybody who's listened to this show, and heard me talk about it, something is going to happen in the next two or three years. Well, it's happening now. So none of this should be anybody a surprise to anybody. It's amazing how quickly Texas A&M has fallen into line. Um, I don't know where it's all going to end up, but I do know this. It, ten years ago when Nebraska went to the Big Ten, that was the best move Nebraska could make at the time, and that move right now looks better than ever. Everybody should be happy that Nebraska has a solid home in the Big Ten, because this is going to have some seismic shifts in collegiate sports. The NCAA says it's going to change its governance now today. So we've been right for 17 years. That's all i got to say. Bill, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> you know, I've been milling the Caesar salads like you can't believe here at the, uh, the NBC commissary, but uh, you know, it's, it's grab and go. It's like going into a 7-Eleven and not having to pay for it. Well, that's, so, uh, that's good. Whatever's available, then, uh, you know, you kind of grab it, you go. And uh, I do know this. I pretty much have an IV hook of coffee hooked up to the right and left arm to get us through the uh, early morning hours. But it's great. It's a lot of fun. see a lot of people. I just saw Paul Azinger walk by. That was kind of cool. Um, so there's a name drop. But uh, anyway, it's been great. It's, it's an honor to, to work the Olympics. It's great to be from the greater Fairbury metropolitan area and be on this stage. So I couldn't be happier. I'm glad I could join you today. Well, we are thankful you could join us. Add Bill Dolman. Follow him on Twitter. And I got the best stat guy in the business. Let me just tell you that right now. Well, give him a shout-out on, <laughs> on radio around Nebraska. Mike Natal, Shady Dog Records, Philadelphia. <laughs> See, now, you don't. You may, you may not have to buy a salad, but I know you're not buying a drink later. <laughs> <laughs> you want to buy vinyl? Shady Dog Records, Philadelphia. That's Look at man. that! A new sponsor on the average. I mean, Hale Varsity Radio. That's so good. Bill, uh, have a great call tonight. We'll be watching, bud. All right, Brady Ellison goes for gold. Thanks, everybody. See you, buddy. Good good. There he is, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports Olympic coverage. And uh, he is on his way to do archery. And it should be in noted, Tokyo. Should be noted, Bill was one of the first people that we talked to that was on this whole. You guys need to watch for this conference realignment coming up in 2023, 2025. He was on that like a year ago, saying mm-hmm. this is what's coming down. There's going to be some some teams jumping ships to the big conferences, and he called that a year ago. He, he called it 15 years ago. <laughs> he totally called it 15 years ago uh, on on the average Joe show for sure. Did uh, yes, so. You know, 
And now he's some dude's going to be rocking the the old bullseye later, going for gold. And uh, Billy D's going to be on the call. That's awesome. How much of the Olympics have you been watching this year? I when I go to bed and I try to go to bed at like eight thirty every night because up early for KFOR. I. I've been watching the swimming. Okay, so swimming's been good. Now, I've been, uh, I'm up later than you, so I've been watching the golf a little bit. That's been See, fun. See, and, and I've seen, like, some of the analysis for golf, but I never have seen much golf. And, like, the gymnastics, that stuff always totally intrigues me because of, of the, well, so it does. You, you're giving me pervise. No. I mean, legit, like, the balance and strength required, it's incredible. Parker Gabriel's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say out of Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star at Husker Extra PG on Twitter. And Parker, it's good to have you back, man. Kind of a whirlwind for you as camp gets rolling. How you doing? Uh, yeah, it has been a whirlwind, but it's been a good one. I uh, had, a, had a great couple weeks. Uh, got married, uh, <laughs> snuck in a few days in Colorado after the wedding, and now camp's rolling, so things are happening. That's awesome. Congrats on the marriage, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. So where were you in Colorado before we dive into football? Uh, we spent, Ashley and I spent a few days in Telluride, which I'd never been in the San Juans in southwest Colorado, and it is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's silly how nice it is. That's that's really cool. We've we've ventured to Estes a few times, but uh, I know tell you tell your rides on the on the list of to do, and it uh, looks like you had a good time, man. So that's awesome. So your sleeves are rolled up. You're ready to just lay out the uh, the entire depth chart right now, aren't you? Day one of camp. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, Schmitty. I mean, you know, it's not that's not the, the the for the depth chart at least. There's a lot of interesting things going on, but the depth chart, you know, it's not. Not to say you could peg it or write it in pen right now, but one of the things that we sort of, you know, gather, you sort of know, and then it's interesting to hear the head coach say it yesterday, is that there aren't maybe as many holes in the roster this year. And I think at this point, like, sometimes fans take a a statement like that as overconfidence, but it's not that. You don't know how that team's going to fare on the field necessarily in Big Ten competition, but... I think they have a little bit better of an idea of who they're rolling with for the most part, not, not all of them, obviously. Um, but they're, they're a veteran team, and they're maybe a little bit further ahead than your average year in terms of understanding what a two-deep is, is likely to look like in a couple weeks. Parker, as maddening as COVID-2020 was for a lot of football teams, and you can put Nebraska in that category with some of their inconsistency, do you think they're going to be able to apply some of those lessons learned uh, when it comes to tight ball games with this schedule, with this season? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's lessons learned. Now, whether that, you know, whether the details that go into winning close games, you know, whether that the pendulum swings, you know, you don't learn that until the, the situation arises. But I bet Bryce Bennett learned something from playing eight games at right tackle last year, you know, and I bet. Turner Corcoran learned something just from playing basically one game, one full game um, against Rutgers at the end of the season. And same goes for the young running back. Same, I mean, the guy like Garrett Nelson played a ton last year. Nick Henrich played a lot down the stretch. And so there's a lot of 
you know, I, I think as we look back on it, I don't, I don't think um, fans, I don't think reporters, I don't think anybody gives a pass uh, for anybody that had a bad year last year or discounts teams that were really good last year, even though it was so weird. But I do think that, especially in terms of eligibility with everybody, you know, retaining the year um, that Nebraska gained, it's not just Nebraska anybody that, that played a lot last year, but there's a lot of those guys on Nebraska's team that I think that'll be, that's invaluable in terms, of, um, in terms of just being ready to play this year and having grown even through a weird season uh, last fall. Parker, one of the things that hurt the team, in my opinion, last year was, was injuries. I don't think that's that's contestable, that there were some key injuries and some key spots last season, uh, especially when I look at the, the middle linebacker spot, and there's a few more. Uh, how, how do you think that the depth of this team compares to last year's team when you think about, I mean, there's going to be guys going down throughout the season, and, and it's the next man up mentality. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the position you look at. You know, like, they've got really nice depth on the defensive line. Um, you saw that. You know, last year they were able to, to play well, even uh, though a guy like DeAndre Thomas was limited to two games. Uh, Jordan Riley never really got to the point where he was fully healthy. He got hurt, I think, right before that Ohio State game. So, you know, they've got spots where they're uh, able to survive it. You know, you like the way the top of their inside linebacker room looks. Uh, even though Will Honus isn't likely to play this year with that knee injury, he obviously would help. Um, but, you know, and then there's other positions where um, it's not so clear um, what would happen. You know, I, I think that they like their, you know, depth in the secondary, but if one of those senior safeties went down, you'd be talking about an un- untested guy filling in his spot. Certainly a quarterback, uh, you know, that there's, um, there's not any experience behind Adrian Martinez, and frankly, you know, like if you look at if you look at tight end, like Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek are one of the, you know, they're Scott Frost said he's not sure he'd trade them for many tight end pairs in the country. Um, they'd be okay on offense if one of those guys went down for some amount of time, but I think they'd probably we'll see how they want to play, but I, I think they'd have to probably change quite a bit about what they set out to do if you had one of those guys instead of both. So. There's not, um, you know, the, the depth overall in the roster is better, no question about it, and, and that likely will show through in some way uh, during, during the season. But there are still spots. You know, nobody, very rarely do you have a team that's entirely stacked at every position, and Nebraska certainly is not in that spot. There, there's still a few, there's a few positions out there where, you know, if a main guy went down, you're not sure what you'd do. Parker Gabriel's with us. Uh, Husker football fall camp underway. You can follow Parker on Twitter at Husker Extra PG. Read him with the Journal Star. You know, bigger picture here when it comes to success, and I know Coach Frost has been asked a lot about that. Uh, details are so important to progress. You know, I thought Samari Toure's comment about putting, you know, the work, showing your work. I could hand my math teacher my, my, you know, my buddy's answers, but I'd get hosed if I didn't show the work, right? So right, right. Uh, the, the work, I, I think there's this kind of quiet confidence about this team. They're not uber loud about what they think they can do. But is it fair to say, Parker, did you kind of come, come, come away with this team's a little bit angry or, or hurt about just what their performance level's been like? I mean, to a guy, it was... Man, all I care about is winning. 
Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think you're right. That's definitely the sentiment. And it's going to be an interesting camp because there's stuff to talk about. I mean, there's jobs up for grabs, running back, right guard, uh, rotational spots at linebacker and maybe in the secondary. Um, you know, Quentin Newsom put a good foot forward for that corner job uh, in the spring, and, and he's got to lock that up. You know, special teams, there's a lot of playing time to be had over the next four weeks. And at the same time, it doesn't really matter if you're talking to players or coaches. There is this sort of sense of, like, let's stop talking about it and just get out there and play. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a fine attitude to have. There's a lot of media availabilities between now and August 28th. <laughs> so there is some talking left to do. Um, but I understand the, the sentiment, and, and certainly, um, you know, it is interesting. I, I, I asked a little bit about this yesterday, but one of, one of the things that's interesting is when you talk about, you know, being buttoned up in the details, not committing penalties, mental mistakes, that sort of stuff, I mean, the fine-tuning of that happens over the next four weeks. But if we're being honest about that, most of – the work that goes into being a disciplined football team, like for the 2021 season, most of that work's already, the hay's already in the barn on that. You know, I mean, that, that culture and that sort of mentality as a football team is really um, developed over offseason in workouts, in the weight room, and on the, on the field and doing the extra work. And so when you hear Samari Ture talking about showing your work, I mean, that's what he's talking about. The, the, the foundation of, of this football team, like most of the work that's going to show through, it's not, it didn't start yesterday when they reported. I mean, most of it's already done. Uh, and then you go out and play in the fall and you make adjustments and so on and so forth. But that's one of the interesting things about this time of year. is, And that, that's why you get the sense, I think, that they're, they're, they're like, they'd take a game on this weekend if they could. It's because you get to this point in the calendar and, and a lot of the hard stuff's already done. And then you got to grind for a month in camp. And then finally, you know, four weeks from now, they get to go play. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. You can find Parker on Twitter at Husker Extra PG. Uh, and Parker, it feels like every single year uh, as we get through fall camp, there's a name that pops up, a guy we weren't really expecting to be uh, in that starting rotation that is starting to make a name for himself in, in fall camp. Last year, I think back uh, to a guy like Luke Reimer at the linebacker spot. He had a great fall camp and, uh, and turned that into some good playtime early in the season last year. Who do you think are, are the candidates to be that guy this year? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, um, you know, if, if we knew, then they'd be guys that have been talked about already. I, I think there's a bunch of candidates. You know, someone's going to come out of that running back, or a couple guys are going to come out of that running back uh, room and, and, and grab that job. I just think at some point, you know, and I think they're going to use, you know, Scott Frost said yesterday they, they, they don't want it to be by committee, ideally. Um, even still, you just, you've used more than two or three running backs over the course of a year. I, I just really think that, that Gabe Irvin, who's a new freshman, uh, got here in January, and Jacquez Yant are going to have something to say about what happens in that room. You know, Marvin Scott is the guy that's got, I guess, the most experience, he and Ramir Johnson, um, and I think they, they like the offseason he's had. But I think those two young guys are going to be a factor some way, shape, or form. I, I don't know. I mean, we've talked a little bit about a guy like Will Nixon, um, but I, I think he can ha- find himself a role. Not, you know, might not be 50 catches, but I, I think he can find himself a role on 
on offense. And then defensively, there's a couple of young defensive linemen. You, you heard um, you heard yesterday uh, Ty Robinson talk about about Colton Feast and Nash Hotmacher. Um, you, you think about a guy like Javen Wright, um, who who you know is sort of in the JoJo Doman spots. I mean, he's obviously a backup, and Doman's going to play a lot. But there's a bunch of guys like that who you're just sort of interested to see what's their role right now. You know, and those are mostly, for the most part, the guys that I mentioned are guys that are going to have only you know growing roles um, in 2022 and beyond. But I think there's a bunch of guys like that that are going to that are going to have defined roles, and it's going to be interesting to see sort of what those roles are and what they make of them uh, this fall. And for the most part, you're talking about you know younger players on the roster. Good stuff from Parker Gabriel. We'll have a few more minutes here with the uh, Husker uh, beat reporter. He, of course, does a great job covering Nebraska. And uh, more from Parker Gabriel. That's on the way with Hale Varsity Radio, another segment with Parker. Follow him at Husker Extra PG. On Twitter is where you find him. Now, I want to remind you about your friends at West Blue Realty. Uh, two names to know if you're looking for a home or trying to sell. Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider. Give Tom Luby a shout at 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider. Call Kelly at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com. Get an appointment, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Couple more minutes. Parker Gabriel with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, Lincoln Journal Star. Parker, I want to go into the, the running back rotation, and I thought that was pretty noteworthy about what what Coach Frost touched on, and that they want to settle on a dude. And and you're right, you're going to need more than one guy carrying the football. And Nebraska in the frost era they, they've had a guy emerge okay and and i look yep. at zigbo's second half of 18 and they they sure weren't going to him early but man he was money for him uh down the home stretch what do you think's been the, the biggest issue with with settling and, and finding a guy and i and i know that that mo just didn't work out here but but they gave him about every opportunity there was the greg bell uh, try that he didn't stick and stay, but now you've got a, a full stable of guys you've recruited, and I think Coach Held does a really nice job a at recruiting and b at, at drilling guys. Like he's he's a good running backs coach. All that said, Nebraska's not not kind of come out of the gate at least in this tenure with with the guy. Uh, do you think yeah. do you think it's going to be a little bit more apparent with their options this year compared to past years? They have better options, maybe? Well, yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's been really interesting the past three years because it's been every different type of situation that you can imagine. I mean, you know, Greg Bell, like, he, he maybe wasn't in top form when he, you know, when they opened that 2018 season. But the guy, I mean, if you you look around now, I mean, you'll find talk about him as, of maybe being a 1,500-yard guy for, for San Diego State this year, maybe being an NFL player. Um, you know, Maurice Washington obviously was extremely talented. Right. Um, you know, Trey Bryant, they were, they were hoping, and the injury thing in 2018 just couldn't do it with where his knees were at. So it, it took him a while to get to Devon Dezigbo, and then obviously Devon had a great year. And then since then, it's been a little bit more, you know, it was getting Dedrick Mills up to speed in 2019, keeping him healthy this past year. They've rolled through a lot of guys, and so they've had some 
talented football players carrying the ball over the past couple of years, just as you said, they've really struggled to find a guy who you could rely on week in and week out for an entire season. Um, and when they found that guy in Devina Zigbo, they didn't find him until midway through 2018. So long story short, I mean, you just sort of, it'll be interesting because with six scholarship guys in a wide open room on July 30th and with a guy in Marquis Step who is going to maybe be a little limited at the outset of camp, I, <laughs> the odds that they just hit the right one right from the start and they have their guy for the entire season, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't seem like the most likely scenario to me. Certainly there's going to be an opening for guys to come after that job, even if they don't win it right away in the next 10 days. But, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting because they could use some stability, um, but someone's going to have to prove that from August 28th on because they don't have anybody uh, that's experienced in that room right now. No, and, and that's just it, and, and that kind of goes back to Coach Frost talking about wanting to settle a little earlier in camp than, than maybe waiting until the last minute or playing it, letting things play out, so to speak, maybe even into a, a first or second game. So um, that, that's, that's an adjustment, and we'll see who emerges, but uh, I like your take on, on Irvin and Yant, and, and we'll see what happens with Morrison and some of the other guys. Let's talk the dreaded identity question before we say goodbye. And just kind of looking back at some, some Washington Husky football when they had, uh, you know, a downhill back or even the Oregon days and, and what they like to do with a couple of tight ends. Nebraska has that formula right now, Parker, with two really good tight ends, two tight ends that can block. And an offensive line you feel good about. they got to figure out the right guard spot. And also, there's some very capable backups that will push some of the guys that are penciled in at starter. But could you see more of that two-tight end pistol uh, set up that, that maybe peaked its head up a little bit in some, some ball games last year? I think a Rutgers, I think a Purdue, specifically, where Nebraska really ran the football well. It helped that, that Diedrich was healthy, yes. But, yeah, right. Uh, but uh, you, you were able to lean on a back out of a pistol formation with a couple tight ends. Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, I think that's going to be part of it. You know, there's a lot of ways to run the ball effectively. To me, the biggest question is, it doesn't really matter if it's pistol or if it's out of the gun or, what, you know, whatever it is, if it's just their straight inside zones, I mean, inside zone, mid zone, all that stuff, like it's always going to be, you know, Nebraska is always going to have that incorporated and then the read and the, and the RPO and all that offense. Like they're always going to do that. The que- my question is, are they, what, what is the identity going to be like that? They've, they haven't really been able to nail that down the past two years and, and have something in the run game that they can really hang their hat on except for banking on the quarterback to make plays in the run game. I think last year it was 55% of their rushing yards were from the quarterback spot. And some of that was Adrian and some of that was Luke and some of that was designed and some of it was ad lib. And, and so, you know, it's just that, that, that doesn't seem like a sustainable business model on offense to me. You know, you've seen Adrian get beat up and, and I asked Scott about that yesterday and he said, you know, we, we want to run him less, but sometimes, that's the best way to go. It's the best, you know, he's really talented as a, as a runner. So that, that's always going to be part of it. But when you go into a game and you know 
that you can get six yards run an inside zone, and if you're only getting three in the first quarter, you just know in your heart of hearts that by the fourth quarter it's going to be six and it's going to be eight and then it's going to be 40. Um, you know, that's a that's powerful offensively because that it, it's a confidence instiller that you can – work off of that and that you can go to it when the going gets rough and that you can consistently pick up third and two or you can turn second and eight into third and manageable or whatever it is. So that to me, like whatever, however they envision it. And if you look at their personnel, Austin Allen and Travis Vocal like are, are going to be involved in that in some way, shape or form that that's the sort of, you know, you, you talk about Scott Frost yesterday talked about the, the attitude that they're developing on the offensive line. Well, that's where that shows through. Where you, you know, you okay. Here's our base stuff. We don't need a, we don't need a wrinkle to pick up a first down. We can just go get it. You know, that's the that's where they're trying to get to. Uh, they haven't consistently reached that uh, the past two years. They had it for a little while, I think, in the middle of 2018, um, but they haven't had it so much the past two years. And if they can find that. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to score 40 points a game, but it means you've got something that you can you can go to and you can hang your hat on, and that goes a long way for an offense. Parker, uh, we'll get caught up again uh, down the road. Austin, to, to, to chat some football with you. Thanks for the time today, man. Yeah, no problem. Have a good weekend. Got to love it. We'll uh, run down uh, newest commit for Nebraska football, Valen Erickson, uh, on Monday. This was kind of coming out as we chatted with Parker a little bit earlier. And uh, nice offensive line grab for the Big Red. You, you look at uh, the offensive tackle, three-star commit, and a uh, guy from Florida that's in Chicago and now uh, loves him some Big Red. Fits the theme of what Greg Austin's been going after. Big body, six-foot-six frame. I think he's already sitting at like 290 pounds as a high school. That's, I mean, it's par for the course for what Greg Austin's been recruiting here. Well, you have the size. You have the, the physicality. You have the strength. It's about that mentality now. And uh, Nebraska seems to get it. We'll wind down a Friday. Tell you what's coming up on the weekend edition tomorrow morning at 7 with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Friday, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. A lot of going on. And uh, MLB trade deadline, the Dodgers loading up. You have uh, Delano Banton off to Toronto. Husker football, fall ball, practice number one. We'll end with some NBA just real quick. Is Russ going to be a difference maker for LeBron and Anthony Davis come this upcoming season? Is, is, is Russ the guy that's going to get them another ring Excuse me, in L.A. Love his athleticism. Really appreciate his talent. Think his mentality is wonderful. I don't know that he's a guy that that I would pick first or second when it comes to being able to score consistently from the outside. He's a guy that needs the ball, needs to dribble. And quite honestly, I mean, I think you 
picked the wrong point guard, didn't you? I mean, Chris Paul, okay, if you're going to go get somebody, (laughs) Chris Paul did great work in Phoenix. Chris Paul got Houston, along with the beard, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Chris Paul's been pretty good for the clip, okay? I mean, am I wrong here, Elijah? If you're going to pick a point guard, who are you trading for? But look at who the Lakers gave away. They, they, I mean, KCP was bad in the playoffs. Kyle Kuzma was bad in the playoffs. Montrez Harrell's been good in the playoffs in the past, but uh, let's so be this, honest, he, this he, he was not you, that Lakers This team. was a minimal cost for you. For, for what they're getting back, I think they can still get a good year out of Russell Westbrook. I think, I think, I think they can, too. So you're, you're talking to me about what they wanted to give up versus what they had to give up. The problem, I think, with this trade is— I mean, go get, if you want to go get a final ring for LeBron— I mean, go get Lillard, go get go get some other options. They need some three-point shooting still. Because right now what you have is a guy that can, uh, I mean, go attack a big uh, in a pick and roll or just off the dribble in Russell Westbrook. You have a guy who can go attack a big either off the dribble in a pick and roll in LeBron James. And you got, uh, I mean, a pretty good mid-range shooter in Anthony Davis. But and he's, he's, he's solid from three. Yeah. He's solid from three. But there's no one that's a, a spot-up shooter uh, that – I mean, Danny Green used to be that, but he hasn't been that for the Lakers recently. They still need somebody that LeBron can kick it out to to knock down a three. Uh, who are you going to kick it out to, Alex Caruso? Like, I- I'm still not seeing that guy there, and there's still a lot of time left in this NBA offseason for them to add that. Uh, but I-, I don't hate the move to go get Russell Westbrook. Uh, and let's not forget, that's a hometown kid, Russell Westbrook, going to play for the Lakers. So uh, I-, I like it for that reason as well. Can they coexist? Do you worry about that? I really don't worry about anybody coexisting with LeBron James because we've had that chat a whole bunch. Can they coexist with LeBron? And so far, we haven't seen anybody who hasn't been able to coexist with LeBron, have we? It's Kyrie. <laughs> but they won a championship when they were together. It eventually fell apart, but while they were together on the basketball court, it still worked. It did. It'll be interesting here. I like... Junior used to love Russ, but he's just he's just maddening. He is the definition of a streak shooter. Yes. He takes way too many threes. He's work he's getting better at not taking the threes. <laughs> Thank God. But I'm saying he, he's kinda like I don't imagine he's not spent hours in the gym trying to get better. He just he just isn't a reliable three pointer. And his shot selection just kills me half the time. And then I go, Wow, <laughs> he made that. We'll talk to you tomorrow at seven, weekend edition of Hail Varsity.